The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. All right. Now back with me here is Bobby Nichols. Let me give you some details about Mr. Nichols' background. He's from Louisville, Kentucky, played his college golf at Texas A&M, where he won the Southwest Conference Individual Championship back in 1952. He was a Southwest Conference medalist in 1956 and team co-captain in 58. He joined the PGA Tour in 1916. He won 12 times out on the regular tour, including the 1964 PGA Championship, added three more wins on the Champions Tour. In 2014, he was honored as a hometown champion by the city of Louisville when Valhalla hosted the PGA Championship that year. And I am both honored and privileged to have him back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Good evening, Mr. Nichols. Thanks for coming back on the show. Thank you, Chris. Always a been a pleasure. So, Mr. Nichols, I had the pleasure of having Donnie Hammond on the show with me a couple of weeks ago, and he was raving about uh, a charity event that you host every year. Talk about what that event is. Yeah, Donnie, Donnie came in. Donnie's been coming every year now to, to uh, help us out. And uh, the, the, the charity itself was started about 17 years ago. And this past year, we went over the $11 million mark in 17 wow. years. Now, this is amazing because it's strictly, I shouldn't say strictly, but it's its almost 98% of it is from the membership here at Fiddle Six Country Club. And that, that is absolutely amazing. We don't have a national sponsor or, or uh, we have, of course, uh, we have a lot of people that play at the event that have uh, you know, have uh, companies and things outside to help us out and stuff like that. But most of our people here at Fiddlesticks support the tour, the tour, tour or rather the tournament, and it's just been phenomenal. I'm, I've been amazed each and every year. It's gone over a million dollars, and I can't say enough of good things about it. Guys like Donnie Hammond and all our pros that come and play here were very special. And Mr. Nichols, talk about who the event benefits. Talk about the charity that you guys are attached to. Okay. All this money that we raise stays right here in southwest Florida, and it benefits the the, uh, the, uh, used and neglected kids right here in southwest Florida. Each and every year, we go over thousands of three or 4,000 kids that we uh, take care of uh, through – just about everything and, and food and, and everything. We we had the blessings of the backpack that we sponsor and uh and of course the kids itself. It's just been amazing and uh it has done a lot of good. Of course, uh we continue to do this because you'd be surprised, uh and a lot of people don't know that there's a lot of people, a lot of kids is and not only in southwest Florida but everywhere. That that are go go to school hungry, and we try to do our best to make their life a little better. Wow, God bless you. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, thank you. 
Mr. Nichols, I want to switch gears. No, please finish your thought. Oh no, I, I just uh, say it's just been phenomenal that uh, that uh, people have been this generous and giving monies, but they've each, they've done it each and every year. Like I say, this was a 17th year, and uh, this is how come we've been able to go over the 11 million dollar mark. Mr. Nichols, I want to switch gears a little bit, and uh, here we are on the heels of another great players' championship tournament. And as I was looking back through the tournament's history, and you played in it during the mid-1970s when the tournament was really first just getting created and coming out on the tour, being an event on the tour. You were there in 75 yeah. when it was played at Colonial Country Club, and in 77 when it was uh, first played at TPC Sawgrass. So what do you remember about when that, when that uh, tournament first came on tour? Well, it was it was quite a a, a nice. Made the, there was good prize money uh, even back then, and uh, you know, play, Sawgrass was a championship golf course too. So it was uh, it was pretty special. And you know, back then we we uh, we didn't have all this many tournaments to play in. So whenever they added a new one, it was really special. And of course, the TPC. Corsair in Jacksonville was really, well, it's history what it is today. It's, it's amazing. And, Mr. Nichols, since it's a tournament put on by the players for the players, back uh, then, was there ever any conversation about making it into a major? That seems to be the thing every year. Boy, should it become but, a, the fifth major out on tour? Did you guys ever talk about that? Well, I, it, it, you know, it's always uh, – comes up occasionally but uh, it has to uh, you have to let it let the writers or the people uh, it, it through uh, longevity and years it build it has to build up the uh where the where the other top four or today uh, majors I, eventually uh i don't know it's it's hard to say one way or another i i it's it's but by, by uh it's, it's definitely been mentioned, and in, in certainly the golf course and the venue that they have, it, it's definitely a major event. And, uh, of course, the money this year won over $2 million, which is astronomical. I could not believe that, but that's, <laughs> it won over $2 million this year. And, I mean, it's incredible. The guys that play, uh, the money that, uh, you know, that uh, they have to, to play for. So, uh with that going on and the uh, golf course itself and uh, and uh, and uh, every year it seems to it's pretty dy dynamic the way it, it finishes up there's always a a challenge for for a winner to come through because those last those last few holes they're pretty uh pretty demanding speaking of which when, when the first time you went out to TPC Sawgrass and you you saw the island green there on 17, was that something completely new, different, foreign, for what you'd ever seen or been able to play before? Were there I other island greens out there? Uh, I think uh, I, I, uh, maybe in uh, Hilton Head, where Tom uh, Pete Dye built the golf course, I think he had a, a uh, almost, uh, if not. I'm not in green, but uh, he kind of he kind of got things rolling with uh, I think at, uh, at uh, Hilton Head, 
So uh, from there on, it it uh, caught on, and he uh, has has done quite a quite a bit. It's it's uh, it's really something. Way it's of course the golf the call itself is so demanding, not only because of the of what it looks like, it's the weather. But fortunately, this year it wasn't too bad, the wind wise. Of course, in Jacksonville, you almost get you get some high winds. And, it is. It really makes it even more demanding. So, it's a. Uh, it's a. Uh, it's really fun to watch. <laughs> so it's not much fun to play, but it's fun to watch. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Nichols, we are a few weeks away now from this year's Masters tournament. You finished second uh-huh. in 1967. There, you actually held the lead after three rounds with Julius Burroughs yeah. and and Bert Yancey. And then right. gave, and you were actually paired with Gabe Brewer in the final round, who would ultimately come back from two strokes down to, to edge you out for the win there. But what do you remember about the 67 Masters? Well, I played with Gabe in the final round, and I, and I figured if I could shoot 70, I'd have a good chance to win. And that's exactly what I shot. But Gabe, I had a two-shot lead over Gabe. Brewer, we were playing together, and he shot a 67, which was phenomenal uh, back then with the golf equipment we had and so forth. Anyhow, uh I I he did he didn't I didn't lose it. He he actually gave one the tournament. Actually a year before that he had a, a very good chance to win the three put the last hole and then he lost in the playoff to uh Jack because uh, the three Tommy Jacobs and Gay and Jack Nicholas played off for the sixty uh six ma- masters and Jack won on the playoff, but uh, I believe if uh, if he had won that year, he wouldn't have played so well in '67. But anyway, he's got to give him credit. He played he played one heck of a round. Did did he talk about that '66 uh, final and and uh, you know losing it on 18 there and like you say ended up in a playoff with with Mr. Nicholas? But did he talk to you at all about making sure that he didn't allow that to happen again in '67? Well, no, I don't think it entered his mind, or he didn't want it to enter his mind because it wasn't uh, good to uh, keep something like that around. He he uh, he evidently uh, never forgot, but he uh, it didn't bother his game because he he played off well the year following. And Mr. Nichols, that '67 Masters was Ben Hogan's last Masters tournament, and I know you and Mr. Hogan were close. Did you know? That was going to be his last Masters tournament? No, not at all. In fact, uh, I had played with him in the final round of the PGA in Columbus, Ohio, in 64. And then uh, I played with him uh, later on that year at the World Open at Oakland Hills, which was called the World Open then, and I left forces to win that. And I played with him in the final round also. And it's kind of funny that uh, when we were checking out of the hotel, we had to be staying at the same hotel at uh, at Birmingham, Michigan, at the Radisson Hotel. Anyway, we uh, I go downstairs Monday morning to check out, and here he is at the checkout counter. He gets finished. He turns around. He looks at me, and he says, you ought to pay me to play with you. <laughs> what do you say to the best player in the world? Certainly at that time, <laughs> <laughs> I said, "Oh, Mr. Hogan, anything I get, anything I 
I don't know what I can give it to do. <laughs> but anyways, he's <laughs> he, he was uh, it was kind of special. He was fun to play with. He was, you know, he's the type of guy when he when he when he get ready to hit a shot, you just knew he was going to hit it straight the way he set up and the way he looked. It was just uh, he was just different in a lot of ways. But really, an honor to play with him. What, talk about Mr. Hogan and his personality. I mean, we've heard stories, you know, from Mr. Palmer over the years who had sort of a not-so-great relationship with Mr. Hogan and, well, uh, you know, being more so. What was he like? I'll tell you what, what really, uh, I guess, kind of the newspaper got a hold of it. It was in 67 when we had a Ryder Cup. He was our captain. And uh, we played. We were playing in. We were at Houston, and this is a practice round on the day before the event started. And uh, Arnold was the only golfer in those days had a, had a plane of any kind. He had, and so his jet, he comes flying over, and he kind of gave waved with his wings, kind of. <laughs> it was kind of a showboat type of whatever. Anyways, everybody looked up, saw him. And of course, Mr. Hogan saw him, and everybody else is down on the, on the ground practicing, getting ready for the match play and the, the, the and the turn itself. So, anyways, the next day they have the pairings, and and they had a list, and it, actually they get they they had put down the pairings that evening. Well, Mr. Palmer's name wasn't on it. He didn't. He didn't let him. He, in other words, I we don't know to, even to today whether he did that on uh, for the for what he showboat with his plane, or if it was because that's just the way he wanted it to be. But we feel like that he would, Mr. Palmer, you wouldn't put him down on anything if it's match play or anything else. So when when he didn't play the first day, everybody said the reason for it was, of course, the newspaper got a hold of it, and they said, well, it was because of of the anyway. That newspaper did ask him, Mr. Hogan, what I heard, uh, why he didn't play the first round, and Mr. Hogan said, because I said so. I mean, he didn't he didn't elaborate elaborate on or anything like that because they were trying to get a story out of it or whatever. <laughs> but the story, everybody had played there. I think that's what happened, and that kind of you know, Arnold being who he was and who he still is. But I mean, back then he he was winning everything, just about. So uh, it to uh, to not have him to play the first day it would be like take a tiger and, and put him on the sidelines for the first day. You just wouldn't do it. I mean, it'd be enough if you're captain of it and so forth. Yeah. So, anyways. So, uh, Mr. Nichols, I, I want to take you back to the 64 PGA Championship. It, it was played at Columbus Country Club in Columbus, Ohio. Jack Nicholas is sort of backyard, if you will. And you still right. him out to a, a 64 in the first round. And actually, at that time, was you were the first person ever to shoot a 64 in the PGA Championship. So, what what got you off to such a hot start? What allowed what allowed you to shoot that 64? 
I'm not sure because I I, I wasn't playing. All. I didn't think of coming into the tournament. But I didn't feel like I was playing all that good. But, you know, at some days, anybody that plays the tour or plays professionally realizes that you have days where you just feel like everything goes. That's, that's Every time you hit a putt, it was hunting for the hole. And that was kind of like was that day. I putted well, but I hit a lot of good shots. But, of course, when you start putting well, your, your other game kind of goes along with it, it gets better. So any time you, you putt well, your other game is going to be better normally. And the, the combination of the two would uh, get you uh, awful little scores. And Mr. Nichols, you, you had a one-stroke lead going into the final round over Arnold Palmer. And like you mentioned a moment ago, 64. That was a prime of his career. You also had yeah. Nicholas and, and Hogan. They were both right. tied for fifth right behind you. So what was it like trying to win your first major where you've got Palmer, Nicholas, and Hogan chasing you down? Well, it's uh, uh, you, you you just try your best. You try to concentrate as much as you possibly can, but you, you always know where that the, those premier players were. They were right behind you, and you tried everything you could within reason to try to just Keep control of your body, your your thinking, your uh, your uh, so swaying and so forth, and you try to keep that uh, out of your mind, but it's difficult. But it, it comes with experience, more or less. And uh, but you know, kids nowadays, I, they come out there on the tour, they they're not like we were because we didn't have anything else to play in until we got on the regular tour. But uh, kids today. They're veterans when they hit the tour, just about, because they've got many tours they've played in, and then you got web.com tour to play in, and you got all kinds of competition prior to going out on the regular tour. And this has been a tremendous help to the kids. You, you can see all the good players today, and they're young, and they're very capable of, of winning, and not every tournament has at least. 10 to 15 young players, very, very, at the very top, they're capable of, of winning, and uh, it happens every week. So uh, it's, uh, it's been, that's what has really improved the tour, is the uh, different uh, tournaments they've been able to play in before they get, even get on a regular tour. Mr. Nichols, I want to switch gears a little bit. And I, and I read a comparison that said you were John Daly long back in the day. So I was curious, when when you were out there playing on tour back in the 60s and 70s, how far were you hitting it You know, based on, you know, you, you talked earlier about the equipment that you had to use back then compared to what we have now. But how far were you hitting it off the tee back then? Oh, I think uh, best I could tell, one year Jack was, uh, was he would more or less lead the the tour back in the early 60s. And I think he was about 274. But sometimes they'd pick holes where guys wouldn't hit a driver. They'd lay up with a with a three-wood or something or whatever. But anyways, he, he would he would be the, uh, most of the time be the, I think, uh, the, the, lead, the leader overall. I would, I remember I would, uh, I was like 271. 
couple of times. That uh, I can remember that, but uh, you know, you just could uh, 280. If anybody hit it over 280, they were uh, well. I don't know the cases. Jack could. Uh, in fact, he could hit it 300 yards sometimes, but not very often with the equipment there was. They would. They kids today just about they could hit irons that far. <laughs> just <laughs> you know, it's, it's just amazing how far they could hit it. Right. That's, and Mr. Uh, Nichols, you yeah. were out there on the, the Champions Tour back in you know when it was in its early days, you know, starting right. in the in the mid '80s is when you went out onto the onto the Senior Tour back then. So, what was it like? You know, sort of when I look back and look at the names of the great players that you played with in the '60s, uh-huh. they were uh-huh. the same guys you were playing with and against in the '80s. Yeah. Was it like it picking is, up right. your career and fast forwarding it 20 years and then putting oh. you back down? I was think, uh, you know, I, I think about that a lot. Back uh, back then, we got to play with the top players in the world, and that 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 was really special. I mean, I could I could play with Hogan, Snead, Nelson. Uh, well, Nelson didn't too, play too much there. I played with him four for that. But then you play with Demerit. You played with the, uh, uh, gosh, I don't know, it, uh, Jackie Burke. It, Guys that uh, that you know that you admired growing up, watching, so forth, and you get to play with them and stuff. It was really kind of special tour when it first started. Tommy Bolt and uh, you know it, it just goes Art Wall. I mean, I could just go on and on and on. Roberto, Davis, Enzo, those players, everybody. It was just uh, Julius Morris. I mean, those guys. I could just. Go on and on and on. The guys that we played with back then that was really special. They were the people that I really looked up to, and everybody that played the game looked up to them back in those days. Mr. Nichols, one more before I let you go. And uh, a little bit later on tonight, I'm going to have Larry Mowry as part of the show. So I know that uh, you had some opportunities to play with him on the regular tour in the 70s. and. Oh yeah, obviously in the seniors from the '80s. What do you remember about Larry? Larry, when he came out, he he won almost every week on the, on the uh, mini tours. He was amazing how many events he won there. I don't know, I, it, it was a huge number. Know that it. And then when he came out, he he could play. He was a good player. He was get he get frustrated with his putting at times, but uh, Larry was a good player for a long time. And uh, he, uh, I think he struggled with his, with his back some. And but like most everybody does, sometimes or another, your back either gives you a little problems or some kind of ailments and so forth. But uh, <laughs> right, that's right. Because uh, it just, uh, it's, you know, this uh, some people stay together longer than others. Their body does. So uh, it 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 takes its toll. Uh, on it because of the twisting and turning that you do and the balls you hit. Well, look at the best player in the world today, Tiger. He's trying, he's fighting to stay healthy, and so it 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 trickles down to to a lot of lot of good players. Stuff tough to stay healthy. Well, Mr. Nichols, it is always an incredible honor for me to get to spend some time with you. I hope you'll continue to Thanks. come back and be a part of the show. 
I always enjoy listening to your stories and the things that uh, happened to you along the way. You're a fantastic okay. storyteller. I, I really appreciate it. Always a pleasure, Chris. Anytime. Thank you. All right, Mr. Nichols. Take care. All the best to you and your family. I look forward to catching up again soon. Sure thing. Take care. You too. That is the great Bobby Nichols. Again, 1964 PGA Championship winner. Came close. At the Masters back in uh, in in the uh, in the latter part of the '60s as well, and had had a wonderful career. You talk about a guy. You look at that 1967 Masters, and uh, it came a stroke shy, but uh, you know, great event there. Held off great players to win that '64 PGA Championship, and then had a had a nice run when the Senior Tour came about and got three more victories there as well. So. Always enjoy getting to spend some time with Mr. Nichols. It's always an honor. He's always got some great stories to share. And look forward to catching up with him again real soon. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves. And people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY. And there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required. And they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Hey everybody, Buck Blue here, and as a recent customer of Jim Ellis Automotive and a longtime friend of the Vice President, Stacey Ellis, man, I know Jim Ellis Automotive Group takes pride in being a family-owned and operated business. I saw it firsthand. When Stacey's granddad, Jim Ellis, founded the company back in 71, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car buying experience that was both easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, Stacy's dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. And today, third-generation family members like Stacy, along with more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values Jim Ellis Automotive was founded on. And that's why Jim Ellis has been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of their 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, where you can always expect the best. Camp Margaritaville RV Resort, where you can just breathe in and breathe out. (sighs) Or move. There's biking, boating, arcade games, hiking, nearby golfing. Or fly through the new Fins Up Water Park. Thrills, chills, twists, and turns. This could be you. Camp Margaritaville at Lanier Islands. An easy one-hour drive from Atlanta. Book your stay today at CampMargaritavilleLanierIslands.com. 